Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is presented by Hummel Casino. Fun above all else. One hour down, Ben. One Three hour down, to hour go. threes to goes. We've covered. I'm just mixing up all my words today. We've covered our uh, Padres news. Juan Soto wins a silver slugger. So, we do have an Aztecs game tonight. We do. 17th ranked San Diego State visiting BYU in a game that Brian Dutcher said I should probably have my head examined for playing this game. The really? Aztecs are, I think, four and thirty-four all time in Provo, Utah. Not a friendly place to go play a basketball game. It's at altitude. It's like a 20,000-seat arena at the Marriott Center. You know they absolutely hate SDSU. Oh, yeah. Don't get that often of a chance to uh, you know cheer against them. So it's not, it's not the kind of game a lot of college coaches will take on, especially a program like San Diego State where you don't have to. You can kind of call some of your shots in the non-conference schedule now and, you know, Make teams come to you and your building. You're, you just went to a national championship game, but you know Dutch likes to schedule up. He's got one of the toughest non-conference schedules in the country. Knows he needs to offset a Mountain West schedule that is rarely all that impressive looking to the NCAA tournament committee. So schedules these tough games and risks a couple of losses in the preseason knowing he's going on the road. I mean, he's going to Gonzaga this year as well in December. Then they've got these tournament games coming up in Las Vegas. They're going to play St. Mary's, who blew the doors off a, a good New Mexico team last night as well. There is just tough game after Gauntlet, tough game yeah. for San Diego State basketball coming up. But... You know, obviously we've only seen the one game on Monday. It does feel like a team that's going to be able to handle some of these challenges going forward. You know, good defensively. They're going to have to be good on the perimeter against BYU tonight. BYU put up 43 three-pointers in their first game. And we put up 30, 31. 31, You've got to make sure they can't, they can't get hot and yeah. make, you know, 10 to 15 of them. They won't get that many off against San Diego State as they did against Houston Christian. I promise you that. With uh, players like Lamont Butler guarding on the perimeter, one of the best defenders in the country, there will be hands in the faces of those shots. Sometimes teams make shots with hands in their faces, and there's not a ton you can do about that. All you can do is make it as hard as possible for them, and then you know hope the natural statistics of basketball take over. And when you contest three point shots, they should shoot a very low percentage on those, and you'll have a good chance to win. Occasionally, it doesn't work that way. Guys get hot. They bury shots in faces that are well defended, and you know when you're on the road, that's when you tend to take some of those L's. So we'll see what happens tonight against BYU, but first real test for the Aztecs this evening 
on the road in Provo, Utah. What time's the game? Six o'clock. It's a it's a streamer, ESPN Plus. If you want to watch that one, yeah, I think I have a, a station account for ESPN Plus. Did you see the? <laughs> you see the video that's going around? I don't know if it's from last week, BYU, or last season, or ten years ago. I think it's recent. BYU player down on the on the court. He like hurt his knee, and somebody's like barking at him, and he turns. He goes, "Shut the heck up!" Because you know BYU. He doesn't curse. I laughed. I must have watched it 50 times. Paulie, see if you can find it. It's obviously clean to play. He's so mad. And he looks up and says, shut the heck up! Sounds like me. Ben! I was like, <laughs> if Ben was fouled really hard and somebody was was goading him a I little think bit. It, from, Is it old? I'm looking. Uh, it, yeah, I think it's very old. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's still. It laid me out. It, it wasn't heck. It was shut the F up. No, he said heck. Well, then there's another one where they literally not, didn't say the F word. They just said F. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He sa- I'm telling you. I swear he says shut the heck up. I swear. All right, somebody in the chat saying it's F. I'm glad you didn't play it then. I no, need to know. Saying, just he F. didn't say the F word. Oh, he just shut said. the F up. He said, <laughs> oh, I thought he said heck. Shut the F up. Finding her Would you do that? Maybe. Do it to <laughs> Probably me right not. now. You can do it. I can't. Why? Because I'm not mad at you. It's not legal. I'm going to kick you in the shin. <laughs> oh, what if I punch you in their sore arm? That would be bad. Shut the F up. Hmm. Little kids right now driving to school. Oh, actually, there's no school today. So uh, asking their parents what F means. No. Sorry They're watching at home on the YouTube stream asking what F, what means. F means. Sorry about that. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Oh. Drop off Haas to Worthington, and Haas is down. <laughs> Shut the F up! Hey, 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 like religiously against them? It's, no, 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 no. Just, it's the fact that why, they're. Why, why would you? It's <laughs> the fact that the players. Well, why do you hate B? Why do people hate BYU? I think it's, it's a rivalry. It's, it's a, a school rivalry. But I think a lot of a lot of teams hate BYU in particular, and I think one of the reasons is their players tend to be like twenty two, twenty three years old, and it just doesn't feel right because of the missions they the go missions, on and they come yep. back as older, you know, sophomores and juniors. Yeah. You're playing Grown against these guys. Who, it just, yeah, it just feels a little wonky when you're playing against a BYU team in, in college basketball, and you're throwing your nineteen year olds, nineteen and twenty year olds against twenty three and twenty four year old yeah. opponents. Grown ass men. You really kind of want to beat those guys. It's like, hey, this is kind of an unfair matchup based on the experience levels of the players that you've got out there. So I think that tends to make them a more Hated opponent throughout college basketball, not just for San Diego State, which of course has the historic rivalry from being in the conference together in the Mountain West long ago. All right, what's the spread on tonight's game? Ooh. Are you allowed to bet on BYU games? You are. Yes, you okay. are. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> I want to know what the uh, the spread is. Don't overreact at on Ben's Twitter if they lose tonight. <laughs> Tough game. Let's see, we've got uh, BYU minus two and a half. Ooh. Okay, okay. That's that's the home that's the home advantage. That's the, the home, home advantage. About three yeah. usually. Okay. Okay. They usually the home home team usually gets about three. All right. BYU. Again, San Diego State, what, four and thirty four all time at BYU. BYU beat the 
ever loving s out of uh Houston Christian okay last week or this week 110 to 63 110 points is a lot i doubt Houston Christian employs the the choking defense yeah. of Brian Dutcher's San Diego State Aztecs so all right that'll be uh, interesting to watch tonight have something to do. If, if BYU scores 110 on San Diego State tonight, I'll you'll eat a hat. I'll buy tickets to a right set yeah, Fred that, concert. That, okay. That's not going to happen. We need a contestant for Take on Woods here. 833-288-0973. 833-288-0973. Call now. You'll have a chance to qualify for a getaway to Las Vegas. So we had a winner this week, actually, against Woodsy, ending his long streak of victories. Broke my long streak. Yeah, man. call in now. And then um, Aztecs will come home. They got a game against Long Beach State. I believe that's on Tuesday. And then they've got that turn. They got St. Mary's in that tournament in Las Vegas. And then I think it's either Xavier or Washington uh, in the second game. Then they got Cal. And then they come home for a kind of the Thanksgiving break and uh, play some local teams. And then still Stanford and Gonzaga on their non-conference schedule as well. So they got some tough games coming up uh, before they hit Mountain West play uh, at the beginning of January. Should be fun. Yeah. All right. We see people calling in. Let's uh, get to it. It is time to play today's game of Take On Woods. It's time for Take On Woods. 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 All right. Let's go with Joe today. Joe, good morning to you. Good morning. All right. uh, We've banished Woods from the studio. He doesn't get to hear this part of the game. You'll go first. Five questions. Musical trivia. Woods will go second. If you beat or tie him, we will put you into the hopper for our grand prize drawing. Two-night stay at Resorts World Las Vegas, which looks fantastic. One of the newest places there in Vegas. Two tickets to Luke Bryan, who is uh, at his engagement at Resorts World Theater from December 29th through January 6th. Tickets are on sale now at rwlasvegas.com. All right, here are your categories today to choose from, Joe. Got Knock Knock, five songs with knock or knocking in the title. I Want More, those are five songs with the word more in the title. And our new category, Hey is for Horses, those are five song titles that begin with Hey. So Knock Knock, I Want More, or Hey is for Horses, Joe. I want more. I want more. All right, we're giving you more today on Take on Woods. Five song titles with the word more somewhere in there. If you don't know an answer, say pass. We'll come back to it if there's time left on the clock in the 60 seconds. First question is the two-second song. Polly's going to play a few seconds of a well-known hit. You need to give me the title and the artist to score that point. Joe, are you ready to play? Yeah, let's All right, do it. Let's do this. 60 seconds on the clock. The category is I want more. Your time begins when Paul plays the music. Good luck, Joe. Let's take on Woods. More than a feeling, Boston? Correct. It's not Staying Alive, but the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack actually includes two versions of which song? One by the Bee Gees, the other by Tavares. More than a woman? Correct. Alice Cooper leaned into his bad boy persona with which 1973 hit off his Billion Dollar Babies album? No more, Mr. Nice. Correct. Which 1985 Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers song is actually based on something Stevie Nicks said when she broke up with Joe Walsh? 
don't come around here no more. Correct. The funk metal band Extreme had to fight to get which acoustic ballad released as a single in 1991. It became the band's only number one hit. More than words. Wow, you have nailed well it, Joe. You are into the drawing oh, for man. Las Vegas. Joe is becoming a Hall of Famer at this game. Yeah. Hang good. on the line. Polly will get your uh, information and perhaps a Daily Diddy selection for next week. If Woods gets any of these wrong, we'll bring him in. Don't need to give Crushed you the answers. It. He already did that. All right, Joe's score is locked in. Woodsy makes it a little more difficult on him, does not get the category. 60 seconds back on the clock. Woods, your time begins when Paul plays the music. Good luck. Let's take on Joe. More than a feeling, Boston. Correct. It's not Staying Alive, but the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack actually includes two versions of which song? One by the Bee Gees, the other by Tavares. Uh, Saturday Night... Uh, uh, pass. I'll pass. Alice Cooper leaned into his bad boy persona with which 1973 hit off his Billion Dollar Babies album? No More Mr. Nice Correct. Guy? Which 1985 Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers song is actually based on something Stevie Nicks said when she broke up with Joe Walsh? Don't come around here no more. Correct. The funk metal band Extreme had to fight to get which acoustic ballad released as a single? More than a- words. Correct. It's not Staying Alive, but the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack actually includes two versions of which song? One by the Bee Gees, the other by Tavares. I have no idea what the category is. Wow, you uh, know the answers you don't know the category. Yeah, uh, it's uh, I'm just, Night Fever? I have no idea. It is not. And by a 5-4 score, get four Joe has taken That's down the woods. Back. Joe is so solid at this game. The category is I want more. More than a feeling. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. Don't come around here. No more. More than words. And... and uh, more than a woman One to me. me. More than a woman. And Joe, outstanding job. And you've won a Daily Diddy next week. Well you've won a chance a to go to Las drops. Vegas. And Woods' magic has evaporated here. Two blown saves. You need a vacation. Take a couple one. days off I'm going next to. week. I'm going to. Monday and Tuesday. I hadn't heard of the Extreme, but I had heard of their song, which is a good song. heard of Extreme? I hadn't heard of Extreme. My friend and I, in seventh grade... Uh, t- wrote down the words to that song and told a girl that we wrote it. (laughs) My boy Fenwick. We wrote down the lyrics in class and we're like, hey, check out this song we wrote yesterday. She said, oh, that's really good. It's a romantic song. Yeah, play some More Than Words. More Than Words by Extreme. I used to be able to pick it a little bit on the guitar. I was reading about it because I didn't know that much about them. They're they're a much heavier kind of metally band, but that was their like biggest hit. And like, the, the the label didn't want to even release it because it didn't sound like them enough. And they said, no, we promise we promise you this is a good song. Y- yeah. I mean it was a it was a it went gangbusters for them. Yeah. I know every word. In still. the early nineties. Well you were in uh you were in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I was like seventh grade, eighth grade maybe. We yeah, we wrote it out and said her name was Lori. We said, look, we wrote this song. <laughs> you didn't worry that she Buffoons. was gonna eventually <laughs> discover your deception no. when she heard it on the radio well, there was no or... internet back then yeah, you know it was radio so, though yeah, but i were, mean it was the number one song in was. america at some point that year you think she might have heard it and go those guys wrote this song and now yeah, i'm hearing it on it. the radio it's number one that's amazing we They're wrote it geniuses for gary sharon and nino bet nuno betancourt <laughs> of extreme you're crank it paulie good harmonies ben then you That you love me, cause I don't already know. <laughs> See, I 
can't get it. What would you do if my heart was torn into more than words <laughs> show you feel that your love for me is real? Wrote it and he can, can sing, sing it, it too. He's very multi talented. I may over try here. that. That bad boy at karaoke sometimes. You tell Hannah you wrote that song. Just, <laughs> she literally wouldn't care. She, she, any guitar acumen I have, she's like, I can. I, I, I just learned this. She's like, please don't play it. I'm begging you not to play it. Please don't play it. I've heard enough. All right, Joe. Congratulations. Well played game of Take On Woods uh, this morning. There's a one. Hundred percent chance that that is cranked in my car at ten oh four when I'm skidding out of the parking lot this morning. Uh, we got don't do this coming up next. I actually have an audio do do this. I haven't told you guys, but uh, one of my favorite broadcasters had a terrific moment calling an NBA game that I'd like to uh, I play for everybody when we come back. I love audio do dos. Yes, so that's coming up next after a check of traffic with Vicky Pepper here on ninety seven three The Fan. Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Don't do this. It's time for Don't Do This. What were you thinking? Three stories from the world of sports that make us all shake our heads. Why? <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you? I'm sorry, I fudged up, guys. You idiot. You moron. You dumbass. The apple sometimes does far fall from the tree. Don't do this. Do not tweet that. With Ben and Woods. I like a Nickelback song or two. On 97.3 The Fan. Pretty big college football story broke yesterday. Yeah, right at the end of the show. Certainly um, falls into the category of a don't do this type of story, but it's complicated. It's uh, very complex. Yeah. There's, there's there's layers to this thing. I it's so stupid, but I I'm sitting here going, I get it for both of you guys. I, I do, and and sometimes I feel maybe a parting of the ways is just the best thing. But when there's lawsuits involved, Ben, that's when it gets a little bit more. Um, that's when it gets a little more heavy. Yeah, uh, Ole Miss and their coach Lane Kiffin are being sued for forty million dollars by Ole Miss defensive tackle DeSanto Rollins, who says he was kicked off the team for missing practices and meetings during a mental health crisis. All right, start right there, and if that's all you knew, I think the initial reaction was. Yeah, college kid going through some struggles, and they just kick him right off the team. Yep. That that sounds very unsensitive and you know unPC of of Lane Kiffin. What's going on here, Coach? You need to be better than that. But of course, this is a much more complicated story as they kind of go through some of the details on ESPN.com. You learn that uh, you know part of the part of the thing was that Rollins was demoted. Was not I mean like. 
Any player on a team, there's only a limited number of starting jobs and playing jobs, and he, according to the coaching staff, wasn't getting the job done, so they had demoted him to the practice squad, essentially, from the... From, from the main from the main well, lineup and from defense to offense, right? So yeah, moved him around. Yep. That does happen. It does to, to college football players, and that's when his kind of mental health crisis started. And all of a sudden, he just didn't show up for two weeks to practice. Did not respond to communications from coaches trying to figure out where he was, what was going on. Yeah, he uh, Rollins told Kiffin after the position change and demotion, he was going to take a mental break. And then, again, despite re- repeated requests from the football staff, he did not meet again with Lane Kiffin until March 21st. So uh, a, f- a few weeks went by. Actually, February 27th was the first meeting. March 21st was the next. So however many days that is, it's it's a decent amount of time, three weeks or so. Uh, he then recorded that so, meeting. So he did, yeah. He came into that meeting, and in the state of Mississippi, One unlike party. California, uh, you can surreptitiously record a conversation with someone. Which is, is wild. <laughs> not legal in, in many states, but in Mississippi, they do not have a law against it. So he recorded, without Lane Kiffin's knowledge, their conversation and then... Released it. Released that audio that came out, and it was making its rounds, and we'll let you we'll let you hear it, a uh, slightly edited version that Polly has been working on here. If you would have come here, when you kept getting messages, the head coach wants to talk to you, and you saying, I'm not ready to talk to him. Who was it? Well, what f***ing world do you live in? I don't see why you got to be disrespectful, honestly. Get out of here. Go. Go. You're off the team. You're done. See ya. Because I'm... See ya. Go. Go. And guess what? We can kick you off the team. So go read your f***ing rights about mental health. We can kick you off the team for not showing up. When the head coach has to meet with you and you don't show up for weeks... Okay, we can remove you from the team. It's called being the push. It's called hiding behind and not showing up to work. It's honestly the only part of the the story that I disagreed with. It's the only part of the the audio that I I had a problem with was Lane Kiffin calling him a a P word and said you know that he was hiding he, behind. He got something. Lane mad and and Lane probably is incorrect for losing his temper. But what you didn't hear that is also recorded was. When Rollins said, I mean, you're acting like my issues aren't real. And Kiffin says, I didn't say they're not yeah. real. You show up when your head, when your boss wants to meet with you. It wouldn't have been like this if you would just have come here when you kept getting messages that the head coach wants to talk to you and you say, I'm not ready to talk to him. And that's when he goes, I wasn't. Well, what effing world do you live in? Right. I mean, part I'm of being. Sure you got to be disrespectful, honestly. Get out of here. Go. Go. You're off the team. You're done. That's, that's when he kind of loses his cool. Yeah. But. Part of being a coach is trying to teach kids like these lessons. Like, hey, when you've got a job, you have to communicate with the people at your job. You, if what well, if you didn't show up for two weeks, I and you had a mental health issue, I would totally respect that. But if you didn't even tell us yeah. that you had a mental health issue, and you wouldn't communicate with any of us, Adam, with us about what was going on. It would be extremely frustrating from our perspective. No question. And we wouldn't feel like we could rely on you anymore. And you as, have to rely on teammates as football players. You know, the, only, the only problem uh, with that is that, you know, as an advocate for mental health and, a, you know, someone that a very, very staunch advocate for therapy and things like that, you, you have to be sensitive to what he was going through, right? You do. And you don't know what 
What what does his mental health look like? Is it lying in his dorm room under a blanket for two weeks, not eating, not sleeping, you know, unable to look at his phone? I understand it. And and I do think, you know, look, could it have been handled differently by both parties? Absolutely. Absolutely. Doesn't seem a fit for these two. Now, now he's still under scholarship, that, right? I think that's a, a key part of the story, that even if he, he was kicked off the team, they didn't take his scholarship away. They didn't take away his the mental health services at the school. Yeah. There's no inherent right to play college football and be on a college football team, which is why ultimately, even though he didn't act perfectly in the situation, I kind of side with Lane Kiffin a little bit on this story. I don't think he owes the kid $40 million for blowing up a little bit when he disappeared for two weeks and wouldn't communicate and felt like, you can't be in my team anymore if I can't count on you. I mean, what happens if there's a game? He's a starter and all of a sudden just doesn't show up, doesn't communicate with anyone, doesn't work in in any level of sports. Yeah, I mean, again, you you, you have to be sensitive to people's mental states. Um, but I, I can I can totally see, you know, I, I honestly I can I can't really can't really see suing for forty million dollars. Uh, that that part to me jumps out a little bit. I'm certainly sensitive to. It sounded like that was a broken man. Listen, you know, talking to Lane Kiffin certainly. Um, so I'm sensitive to that, but. You know, listen, it, it's him being off the team is probably the best thing for both of them. Tough. All man. right, let's Very get very tough. Let's audio. get to the do do this since we're uh, running out of time here. Do-do, we got Craig Elston coming up. Uh, I love this. Ian Eagle, one of my favorite broadcasters, does multiple sports, does them really well, was uh, calling an NBA game earlier this week. I think it was Clippers Nets in Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, James Harden was way off in the other corner <laughs> on the other side of the scorer's <laughs> table, but threw a wild pass. That started heading right toward one Iron Eagle at the table, and uh, he got to call it, and it was just brilliant. This was great. What a terrible pass. That's rejection by Paul George. Harden, that's coming my way. I got it. Unbelievable. I could see it from the beginning. Ed, you take over, my friend. Hands the ball to the referee. <laughs> like, like, like catching a like a foul ball screaming your way. So it's just a giant basketball. He's like, that's coming right at me. I now, got that. Now one. he added because greatest call in NBA history. <laughs> I knew it from the second it left his hand. Hold on, hold on for it. Yep. Do it. I also have tea all over my lap. I get coffee all over my <laughs> Yeah, James Harden just said, hey. Now, he didn't catch it totally cleanly. It kind of bounced off yeah. the table, knocked over his drink into his lap. <laughs> Short hopped him a little bit. Which it, it makes it even more amazing how smoothly he called that whole thing. As he's, his drink's getting knocked it's into his lap. It's coming right at me. Here <laughs> the it ball comes, ends up right, and I got it. Right in his bread basket. Yeah. He holds it. He hands it. it back to Ed, the referee. You take over from here. I love Iron Very Eagle. smooth, and he is always fantastic. He's great. That mm-hmm. is uh, don't and do do this that was don't do this with ben and woods on 97.3 the fast that, uh, <laughs> that was a little more smooth than john sterling when a foul ball came <laughs> yes. out. Oh, three two swung on a pop foul back here ow 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 <laughs> it really hit me i didn't it know it was sure coming did. back that far <laughs> Uh, break, breaks my heart now, to hear a baseball, that. a basketball, a little different. A little different, man. <laughs> Back here. Ow! 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 It makes me so sad every time. Every time it hits. Ow! Ow! Ow. Oh, man. So I was uh, sitting at my desk last night at Channel 10, and I had our newscast on. And all of a sudden, guess who comes on my television with our anchor, oh. Wale Aliu? Who's that? Craig Elston was on TV last night on Channel 10. 
Talk about that with Craig. Get his streaming television recommendations, crossing streams. Craig Elston coming up next with Anna Woods here on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. I get my pregnant, I'm going to be a better you. Prophecies that I made way back in the veil. For fear. Listen, even back when we was broke, my team ill. Martin Luther King would have been on Dreamville. Top. Hi, you can tune in to kick off with Boomer and Valenti tonight at 6 o'clock here on 97.3 The Fan. I know you've been waiting all week for their picks and their analysis. Boomer Esiason, Mike Valenti, also free on the Odyssey app, presented nationally by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos brought to you by those who drink it and by Lowe's. Lowe's knows home improvement. Craig Elston knows a lot of things, including soccer, which is why he was on my Channel 10 television last night with Wale Aliu. We'll get to Craig Right after Vicky's traffic here on 97.3 The Fan. So, Craig Elston, did you envision maybe four or five years ago that you would be San Diego's go-to media soccer experts? I mean, before you took the job with the soccers, was that ever really on your life, your your storyboard of your life, your plans? Listen, do we all have storyboards for our life? Because if they are, I'd love to see everyone's at age 20 and yeah. even age 30 and, and where they turned out. Um, hey, you know what? We're a soccer city now, Ben. And uh, good morning to all y'all and good morning to everybody listening here on the fan. But uh, right with NWSL championship tomorrow at Snapdragon, the Women's Gold Cup final next spring coming to Snapdragon. And yesterday morning, I was down at Singing Hills where all the billionaires and multimillionaires were out for the Right to Dream uh, Academy groundbreaking ceremony, which I'd love to talk about more. I don't think people have any idea of what kind of impact this is going to have in San Diego. It's, it's a different place, man. Chargers left, nature abhors a vacuum, and here we are, Soccer City, USA. Yeah, so what what was that facility uh, yesterday, Craig? A training facility? Yeah, where Manny was down there, yeah, too. Yeah, so Manny down there in mustard suit, looking very sharp. Looking very sharp, by the way. Uh, the, the gold uh, sunglasses that perfectly matched the suit. Uh, Manny was was clicking. Okay, so we know that San Diego FC is the first major professional sports team in North America that has tribal ownership. Right. Right. The Suquan Band of Kumaye Indians are co-owners, along with Mohammed Mansoor and the other ownerships uh, ownership group of San Diego FC. Now, San Diego FC is building the first ever academy on tribal land uh, in the United States of America. But this goes beyond, although it will be San Diego FC's home, their training center, where their staff comes, you know, their staff living accommodations, etc. Right to Dream is an organization that's existed for 20 years. It began in Ghana. It has another academy in Sweden, another that's just opened in Egypt, and the fourth will be here in San Diego. Uh, The Ghana Academy put seven different players onto 2022 World Cup teams. And and what this is, Woodsy, this is going to be the -the state-of-the-art soccer academy in the United States, a place where they will identify the best players in the Southland and through the region and through the country and even at age 10, will be brought there to live for school and to train as a professional with the twin goals of either, you know, having an incredible academic career or, of course, having a professional footballing career. And give this 10 years, 
give this an opportunity for three or four classes to come through. And now you're starting to talk about a factory for the best players in the country, future men's and women's national team players to come through right here, Singing Hills. Can I say, and Woods, I want your thoughts on this as well. As as a parent, I have mixed feelings. This has been a very international thing for a long time. These academies where you they identify like potential sports stars early. And then, you know, they like move away and they live away from home so they can study and train at a much higher level as opposed to what we usually do in this country. And you, you grow up at home and you play little league and then high school sports and then maybe you get a college scholarship and you start stepping it up. Now we've had travel ball and, and things like that, but there are a few academies like IMG. The agents have put some things together in Florida, but this soccer idea is not really what we've done in this country, like taking kids away from their families at such an early age. And I don't know how I, I totally feel about that. Take both mine today if you want. <laughs> both mine are, are, my wife will be packing their uh, bags this morning. They're both off of school. I'm sure she's packing their bags as we speak, neither of which are super uh, inclined to play soccer. Both pretty good. Uh, Taylor's not. He's Would still Would you learning. send him to a baseball academy no. at like age 10 or 12? Oh, to like... man, I, I couldn't do it. Could you do it? I, I know. That's it. the thing. That's a hard I, thing to do. Listen, I, I'm in a position where I don't have to. If I was in a position where that was a much better life for them, sure. Yeah, 100%. I mean, or if they exhibited like those kind, it would be very hard for me to not to not see my kids. Very, very difficult. Extremely, like I don't, I couldn't. Make yeah, it. you're not signing the rights away to your parenthood, but obviously, say, yeah. it, it, I mean, I, yeah. but you, I mean, sure, they, your children. I'm sure they go weeks or sometimes probably months yeah. without seeing I their families I, I if do they're that. doing these these academies and you know moving down to San Diego wherever they're coming from to do this right. Uh, this this academy that they're putting together for uh, San Diego FC. But so in, it's in, just an interesting concept. Inherently, I think you know it's a, it's a great thing if somebody is has that ability and that talent. Opportunity is a good thing. Is yeah. always a good thing. You know, and I just wanted to note somebody in the chat. May, uh, Jeffrey made the great point that uh, the Connecticut Sun in WNBA is owned by the Mohegan Tribe. Oh yeah, uh, in Eastern Connecticut. So. Uh, I should have been a little bit, uh, you know, more circumspect in saying first major league soccer team or first professional men's team uh, that, that has tribal ownership. Nonetheless, uh, what's happening, this partnership with Saquon, San Diego FC, I mean, it, it's just, it's coming. You know, it, it's like you, you understand that the pro team's coming, but th- what the academy is going to do, it's going to completely change how Nomads, Surf, Cardiff Soccers, all these other club teams, they're going to be working in concert with the academy to try and send their very best players there. That's Craig cool. Elston is with us, and uh, Craig and I covered the Padres of the early 2000s. Uh, all four seasons we did the pre- and the post-game show. Phil Nevin was one of the, the key players on the team, and I wanted to get Craig's thoughts on the news this week that Phil interviewed for the managerial job. I can't say that I saw Phil as future manager when he was a player. He felt like he was a little too emotional and, and hot-headed to be a, a steady manager at the helm, but I guess he got good reviews you know, from players with the Angels. And uh, What are your thoughts on the possibility of Phil Nevin as Padres manager, Craig? Yeah, I guess it was hard to watch Phil uh, put Jason Middlebrook's jersey in, in a uh, <laughs> bubblegum can and put lighter fluid all over it and take it to the outfield and think there's a future manager. That's my skipper. The story that Ben and I uh, personally experienced in the Padres locker room. Um, I'm okay. Let me just put it this way. I would love to see Benjamin Hill named as the next manager of the San Diego Padres. I think he's really uh, an impressive candidate. 
And I would be fine with Phil Nevin being named manager of the San Diego Padres. I do think he did a pretty good job with the Angels. And he's he's been on some big-time staffs the last few years. He has truly paid his dues, spent several years as the Yankees' third base coach. He's, he's managed in the minors. Uh, I think he's a great fit. And I would put him personally neck and neck with Schilt in terms of if they hired either one of these cats, I'm, I'm groovy with it. If they hire Benji Heel, I'm going to be really, really excited. And if they hire Flaherty, I'm, I'm going to try and figure out a way to wrestle my mind around it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty, pretty fair assessment uh, of where I think we're all at at this point. hundred percent. I think that's, that's a really good way to put it. Very concise. Craig, what do you got for us? Cause I'm, uh, I need some new stuff, man, my friend for crossing streams. All right, our weekly crossing streams uh, recommendation. And by the way, I just wanted to note uh, NWSL championship tomorrow night at uh, Snapdragon Stadium. It's either going to be uh, Megan Rapino's last game or Alec. Well, for Rapino and Krieger, it's going to be both of their last games ever. But uh, it's going to be really, really special. There's still some tickets available uh, five o'clock. Really excited to do PA for that. Oh, good. Yeah, I was got- wondering if you got to do the game. Uh, congratulations. First uh, major yeah, championship no. game that you're going to get to to PA. Yeah. And I'm super excited about it. And I hope San Diego is really excited about this uh, as well. And we'll come out. I know the wave aren't there. It was an incredibly disappointing result uh, last Sunday evening. Really, really, really disappointing result. They only gave uh, up one fluky goal. I mean, you know, that's soccer. Have they found green paint for the field to paint over the I I hope it looks better than it did last week. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) you know what? I'm getting to my recommendation. I swear to you, Rhett Woods. I walked in, I got to the press box, I looked down, I was like so excited to see the semifinal field that yeah. the Wave will compete on, and then I just see San Diego State written right next to the net, and I see more divots than the Mission Bay driving range in, in the middle of the field, and I'm just like, really? Really? This Damn, is how we're going to do this? About, it's, sure enough. feels part of the, the course, you know, it's fine. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Sorry about it, man. All right, bodies. All good. Bodies. Let's talk about bodies okay so this is a new uh limited series on netflix bodies uh and in the opener in the in the pilot uh, episode you're going to be introduced to a london detective that goes down a slightly uh you know backwoods lane uh in the heart of london and encounters a body uh, a naked man laying in the street shot through the eye whoa and that's a thing that happens in 2023 and then you see it happen in the same street with a different detective the same body in 1941 and then you see it happen in the same street same body different detective in 1890 wow and then you see it happen same street same body different detective in 2053 so it's four timelines four detectives all trying to figure out how the heck this same body got to this same spot it's wild in london i'm intrigued and it moves fast it moves fast it bounces from one timeline to the other in a way that really keeps narrative momentum i've watched four of the eight episodes so far started episode five last night and i'm 
I'm really in to bodies. I, I, you have to figure that by the end of this series, there's going to be some sort of um, lost style. How is this happening? What's the scientific explanation? Is there time travel involved? But some really good acting, particularly from the four characters who are uh, the lead detectives. Kyle Soler plays the 1890 uh, detective. He was in Andor. He was just absolutely terrific uh, in Andor if you watched that series. And I'm enjoying Bodies so far. It's a puzzle box. It's a mystery, but it's very slick and it keeps you moving. It's quite propulsive. So uh, I've been enjoying it, certainly enough to recommend it here on Ben and Woods today. And the good news, uh, we had the end of the writer's strike. And now uh, we, this week we had the end of the SAG-AFTRA actors strike, which means uh, production is supposed to resume on a lot of things as soon as like uh, next week. Uh, things are going to get back into production, which means in the next few months we'll start getting uh, new series, new episodes, uh, new seasons of some of our favorites. So, uh, Craig, you've done a great job helping us uh, fill the empty spots that we had for the last couple of months. And it's been as hard as it's ever been <laughs> the last four years <laughs> it, it of finding been. recommendations on this segment, boys. But uh, yeah, a lot of reality TV coming up this winter. That's an absolute guarantee uh, because that's the only thing they could produce all summer and all fall long. But looking forward to the spring and the summer and, and the resumption of, of content activities. Always great to chat with you, boys. Craig, uh, have uh, have fun calling the, uh, the NWSL championship game tomorrow night. And uh, good talking with you, as always. We'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Craig Elston. I mean, that's a big moment, a championship when you're the PA. Yeah, dude. You know, and those starting lineups. You know, that's a big moment for those players. When they walk out, Megan Rapino, her final game, it's Craig crazy. is going to be the person yeah. who introduces her walking out onto the field in her final ever game. Really that's a cool. big that's a big moment that's for him. That's a huge moment. At Snapdragon Stadium What's, tomorrow night. What do you think the turnout's going to be? Uh now that That's you a know, good question. The, if the wave were in it, it would sell out for sure. Done. Now, mm-hmm. is it going to be a sellout without the wave involved? What I'm are the two sure. teams again? It's a Gotham FC, which is New York, New Jersey against OL Rain, which is Seattle. So, Seattle against New York essentially. Interesting. Both cities fan bases could want a trip to sunny San Diego. Sure. Will they? I don't know. With a week's notice, I mean, neither of them were favorites to win. They were both underdogs. These are the like surprise winners to get here. So I don't know if their fans were like, it's like the World Series. It. Yeah, it's a bit of an unexpected trip for their teams and their fan bases. So we'll see what the, the crowd looks like tomorrow night. But if you don't if you don't have anything to do, I'd imagine it'll be a, a pretty good scene. They'll try to make it as big as possible for their championship game. And yesterday they just announced a major new media rights deal for NWSL, uh, which includes uh, Channel 10's company, EW Scripts, and our Ion Network, but also ESPN, ABC, uh, Amazon Prime, and CBS Sports. So major step up in coverage for the NWSL going forward and for the Wave. Tell me about the new volleyball team, Benjamin. Oh, the Mojo. The Mojo. Yeah, they announced very excited um, about this. They announced their new name. I guess uh, they announced the team was going to be joining the Pro... Pro Volleyball Federation next year. It's like a, right now seven teams, I think, of indoor volleyball, like arena volleyball. I don't know where they're playing still. They said a major arena. I don't know if that's like Jenny Craig or Lion Tree Arena or Viejas Arena or where they're going to put it. But uh, they'll play, you know, major professional women's volleyball starting in February is their first game. They're going to be the Mojo. Pretty cool logo. I liked it. It's, yeah, I like the logo. Uh, navy too. blue, light blue, yellow with an osprey, which they had their whole. Osprey or osprey? 
Osprey. Osprey? I thought it was Osprey. Hmm. I thought it was Osprey. Could be an Osprey. I don't know. I know it was apparently it was an endangered bird that has fought its way back and they they leaned into the old uh, yeah, overcoming adversity like this bird and that's going to be our logo but our name is the Mojo. The team is owned by Carrie Walsh Jennings who is beach volleyball legend. Uh she's the team owner and you know, just another uh, sports option out there. And and women's sports, obviously, the Wave have done great, so I imagine they'll feel like they'll tap into some of that market as well of the young girls. A lot of young volleyball players in town. There's academies, top top teams, Cathedral Catholic, Torrey Pines, Benita Vista have always had top volleyball players. So I think there's a, there's kind of a built-in market in San Diego for the mojo. Perfect. All right, uh, we'll keep our mojo. Polly, just let me know that we've added a guest for uh, our next hour, 835 Stephanie Epstein, who was all over the intestinal problems of executives <laughs> in Scottsdale this week, she did more than that as well. But she, she did, did have, but she was breaking she all was that breaking news all that news from Scottsdale and the general managers' meetings. Is going to give us a wrap up coming up at eight thirty-five. We'll reset. Two hours to go here with Ben and Woods on ninety-seven three The Fam. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.